It was the end of the season three record and everything was going fine. My co-host and best friend Sean and I had recapped the episode, done Manny trivia, and even come up with a new cool listener segment. But that's when things took a turn. We were just wrapping up the season three finale and everything seemed great. I said some hilarious stuff. Toria babbled on as usual. Is Toria's voice getting more grating? Anyway, everything seemed great, normal even, when... Whoa, Toria, do you feel that? Oh my god, I think it's an earthquake. Whoa! The flashing girl from Flushing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 4, Episode 1 of Oh, Mr. Sheffield, a podcast about The Nanny, a hit sitcom from the 90s starring Fran Drescher. I am Shanti Pasquale, here with my intrepid host, Toria Sheffield. Bum, 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 bum. And we are back, survived a earth-shattering earthquake. So this is uh, season uh, four, episode one, The Tart with the Heart. It was, it was uh, written by Frank Lombardi and directed by the great Dorothy Lyman. And we get off to a weird start with, uh, as Toria mentioned, <laughs> a, a very unusual previously on recap narrated by Mr. Sheffield and Fran. Well, where they, the, instead of being like, hey, previously on the nanny, you know, they just sort of like, tell the story it's so weird (laughs) well they start with like a his and her voiceover recap of the last episode from the perspective of each of them so it's like Mm -hmm. they're each giving a little internal monologue of what just happened and i just want to say quickly before we dive into this since we are starting a whole new season and that's kind of huge i just wrote i think i realized what a marathon or must feel like at like mile 16 (laughs) Right. <laughs> where you're like, I've come so far and I have so, so far, to, far go. to go. Yeah. That is funny. Last night, Elizabeth was like, oh, you guys are almost done. And I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> we're, yeah. We have so much more to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just got to keep your head down one foot in front of the other. But I will give a heads up to you and to our audience. Uh, when we reach season four, what was it? Season four, episode 21, I think. I think it's season four, episode 21 is the shows, or what is it? 25. Season four, episode 25 is both The Nanny and our show's 100th episode. <gasps> I didn't even know where you were going with that. So that's exciting. So we're coming up at the end of, towards the end of the season. Uh, the penultimate episode of this season will be uh, the 100th episode. So, man, we've got to figure out something cool to do for that episode. We should try really hard to see if we can get Fran Drescher to talk to us. Oh my god, that would be so cool. That would be so Guys, cool. if you if you follow Fran, maybe start tweeting at her and telling her, hey, 100 episodes coming up. Oh, Mr. Mm-hmm. Sheffield Podcast would love to have you on. That we could be cool. start a real campaign. We should. Let, we, we'll, we'll discuss uh, further. Okay. So we, we get this like very weird um, kind of, uh, uh, but not bad, just unexpected recap from the two of them, the his and hers recap. Then a briefly reshot plain scene i i i i think it's just because like you know he got a little older she got a little older his hair's like looks like a little grayer um her haircut's a little bit different so they reshot the plain scene they didn't reuse footage we get like slightly different lines like a almost just like a shorter but but the thing is still there he says i love you and then um yeah it's like an abbreviated scene to just ground us in what we just 
ended with what happened. But, but, but this would have been, you know, a whole summer has passed. So I, I get why they had to do it this way. Uh, and then we, we immediately cut to they're now on the porch. Of the mansion. Uh, like the front, of the, the mansion, front their the mansion. home. Uh, obviously, they didn't die. And immediately Mac- Maxwell tries to warm out of having said, I love you. And mm-hmm. I was so upset. <laughs> Elizabeth and I both we were like, oh. I wrote, that's actually crushing. Because the thing is, they're like approaching the house and Fran is like looking at him lovingly. She's clearly Mm -hmm. super like happy with what happened and where she thinks they are. And he basically is like, oh, you know, uh, Miss Fine, before we go in, I I just want to explain, you know, sometimes things are just blurted out in the heat of the moment and you don't necessarily mean them. And she's like, she's like, you're taking it back. Oh, my God. And she, you know, she's clearly really hurt. It's really insulting. Because she's yeah. like hanging on his arm, like she's like in love. He said it. She's she's there, you know. Yeah, it's really sad. Um, and we cut to a few days later in the living room, and Fran is clearly and understandably still upset about this. In fact, the fact that she's even still like working there as usual and just making these little passive aggressive comments is like, you know, I, I could have seen her potentially quitting over something like this. But- yeah, me too. Me too. I guess they didn't. They didn't want to. They wanted to yeah. just hit the ground running. Um, um, I also so- took note. Gracie got older. I don't know mm-hmm. if you noticed, but she hit a little growth spurt uh, in between three and four. She looks yeah. considerably older. Yeah. Um, the for, other thing, for, I- especially having them have like been on a plane and come back, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. my god, how long were we gone? <laughs> yeah, they grow up so fast. Well, I'll say it's this. Manifest. <laughs> the the thing is, Gracie has a line or two in this episode. Um, yeah. We only see Brighton quickly for a little visual gag, and. Um, Maggie's not in the episode at all, which is a little rare for a season premiere because usually you get at least a little like taste or check in of every name. No, they character. went with the huge, huge cameo instead. True. This would have been a massive cameo for this time period, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but so we cut to, again, a few days later in the living room, Fran's curly upset, and she's making these little passive-aggressive jabs about how, you know, Mr. Sheffield has this, you know, pattern of just, quote, taking things back. And then Gracie comes in and reveals that she's writing a report about Cece because she's supposed to profile, <laughs> quote, a real professional woman. And that, like, clearly bothers Fran, right? Um, and then Cece makes it worse by being like, well, you know, Miss Fine, it's clear that, like, you know, you only get hired or you only got hired as a nanny because of your looks. You know, you're not like a, a real professional. Fran has like, a great comeback there where she goes, no, I got this job because I lied on my resume. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. But then, um, but it does bother her. She yes. sees that, that, that is like an earworm and it, it is the yes. through line of the episode. Mm-hmm. It gets in her head. And, um, it also has, I'll just say it now. Cause it's one, it's so funny. You know, Cece's like, you know, you you run around in these little outfits and you get away with murder. And then she's like, unrelated, if you had hypothetically choked a choreographer, what would you wear to court? (laughs) I just died. I loved it so much. But yeah, as you said, like, this is the real thrust of the episode. Fran starts to think that Mr. Sheffield just thinks of her as like this trivial plaything and who he can toy with um, because he doesn't take her seriously. Yeah. And so this Uh, deepens her... This this shifts her over from like her kind of like passive aggressive to like mad, mm-hmm. um, and then we get a scene. We see we quickly establish Maxwell is obviously trying to apologize. He wants to buy her flowers, but he's trying to do it without telling Niles what happened. And so we start <laughs> to establish the B plot of the episode, which is 
Niles really wants to know what's going on. Like he knows something's going on. Maxwell's like, I need, you know, 17 long stemmed roses. And Niles is like, long stemmed. Oh my, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then, and then he, Niles goes out to go, to go do this, uh, unsatisfied that he didn't find out what, what exactly transpired. And Fran comes in and, uh, and she closes Max, the door. She closes the door and Maxwell's pulling out a cigar and she goes, if you're going to smoke a cigar, let me clip the end off. I have a feeling it'll make me feel good. Yes, yes, yes. And, she's and like mad. She's mad. And then she's like, you know, Mr. Shawfield, I have something to ask you, but but it's private. So, so one second. At which point she takes a lemon wedge off of his like tea tray, walks over to the closed door and squeezes it into the keyhole, at which point we hear Niles yelp in pain because he clearly is peering through it, which is so funny. <laughs> so uh, good. Um, but so so the question that's weighing on her mind that she wants to ask him, she's like, you know, Mr. Sheffield, when you hired me, did you just think I was attractive? And he totally misinterprets the question and thinks he's going to like nail it because he's like, uh, no, I thought you were stunning beautiful drop dead gorgeous and she's just like how could you do this to me and like she runs to the door and opens it and then brighton is literally there on his knees with a walkie-talkie and we hear niles's voice going it's going quiet are they talking about me (laughs) like through the walkie-talkie well she also lays out for mr sheffield like she doesn't beat around the bush here because there's a beat where she where he's like oh is this still about what happened on the plane and she goes no i'm over it and he and he says uh really and she says no I take it back. How does that feel? So mm. she's being very clear here. Like, um, like you really hurt me here. This isn't just about, you know, oh, now I feel like you only hired me because I'm pretty, but it's all part of the same thing. You, you hurt me by saying I love you and taking it back. And now I'm doubting everything. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, and so she, we cut to a bar and friends drowning her sorrows with Val, which tracks. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, doesn't get why he keeps, why he's take, taking what he said back and why he keeps beating around the bush. Or, or he, de- well, I think she's like, it's more so she feels like she knows why she's lamenting that, you know, it's because she's just someone who likes thing. to keep around to, to flirt with and will never view as a serious, you know, prospect. Yeah. When this was that big cameo you were talking about, I was very surprised. Yep. Jason Alexander, a.k.a. George Costanza from Seinfeld shows Who's up. Who's at the height of Seinfeld fame right now because Seinfeld wasn't off the air yet. I looked last night. So on a different I mean, network, I yes. think. Yes, yeah. NBC, CBS, yes. Yeah. Rival network, they get Jason Alexander to show up on The Nanny, which is fascinating. Put that in, in questions to ask Fran and or – um peter if we have them on back on the show yeah like it was like so unexpected how did this cameo show up i mean again i can only assume a lot of these are just like they're all people that they were friendly with you know true true and well uh i was gonna say george no jason alexander (laughs) he's he's playing uh a blind i had to write it down his name is jack on this show he's playing jack a blind man um and the thing is barely towing the line i think between being a little ableist this episode yeah. and not like they, they, they yeah it's fine there Listen, some it was gags, it's in the oh, 90s yeah there were some <laughs> gags that definitely like are centered around the fact that he can't see like at the end of this scene the button is he's like i'll drink to that and he ends up holding uh Drinking grabbing a candle. A, a candle um but the thing is jack see i, I would say overall 
like net impression of him as a blind character it's like a very positive portrayal like that's not absolutely even, that's in no way like the crux of his identity and the thing no. is he seems like you know as fran notices right away this genuinely nice guy and fran is kind of like instantly taken with the idea that like oh here's someone who like will not just be interested in me for my looks um right well, and when he first approaches them they're immediately like get out of here and and like, you know, yeah, we can't look really hot and sit in a bar without someone hitting on us. And and then he's like, well, I I don't want that. Like, I just wanted to talk to you guys. You seem interesting. And they're like, yeah, right. And he's like, no, I'm literally I'm blind. Yes. And, 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 and then Fran has this like aha moment where she's like, awesome, great, perfect. Yeah, like, this is just if what I, I can, Yeah, if I can start a relationship with this person, then at least proves to myself that like, I'm not just a hot lady who people will just want to like sleep with, but like, I have something to offer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, in the next scene, um, this is a great scene where Mr. Sheffield's at the mansion, trying to secretly order a pair of diamond earrings for Fran to apologize. Um, Niles catches him and then tries to trick Mr. Sheffield into revealing the thing that happened on the airplane. And he does it in this way. My mom actually gets information out of people this way. And it drives me frigging crazy where he pretends like he already knows, which then makes the other person say it more freely. So, you know, Niles is like, Oh, you think that's going to get you out of this after what you said to her? And then <laughs> Mr. Sheffield's like, but all I said was, and he's like, wait a second, you're not going to get me. And he like exits. And then Fran comes in and he tries to pull the same trick on Fran by being like, I heard what he said. Oh, how, how are you doing? How horrible. And she's like, Oh yeah. You know, you heard that he said, um, we're going to, probably hire a new butler that we might not yeah, even that we're gonna hire a butler from france yeah yeah because she's like 10 steps ahead of him and then this is this was like a highlight moment of the episode so good so the doorbell rings it's cc and niles who is now like afraid for his job like runs over like dashes over takes her coat is like ah oh, miss babcock how are you doing like can i run a bath for your feet and then he just stops and he throws the coat on the door and goes I can't do this. Why don't you just shoot me? <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't even fake it with CC for five seconds. Yeah. It's so yeah. good. And then uh, the Jack the, comes over. Yeah. Jack, yeah. AKA George, AKA Jason Alexander shows <laughs> up. And this is so awful. He accidentally breaks a vase and Fran lets him believe. No, no. She accidentally breaks the vase, but yes. she lets him believe that he did it. <laughs> Yes, it's awful. She breaks this like very expensive looking glass vase vase and and it smashes into a million pieces and he go Jack goes, "Oh no." And she goes, "Oh, it's okay. You didn't mean to." Yes, it's just like little throwaway <laughs> line so mean. So uh, so so opportunistic. But so um you know, then Mr. Sheffield comes in and he, you know, realizes Fran has this date and it instantly gets them like fighting where he's like, "Oh, they're like you certainly you know are over this fast and she's like well you know you're driving me crazy and he's like well you won't let it go and they start just like talking over each other and in fact they end up like running in opposite directions of the house just leaving jack alone with niles which is just yeah. so rude uh, and so rude. but but then you know she runs off to the bathroom presumably to like you know do her makeup and then we cut to their actual date they're just you know they're sitting on a stoop in the city and it's clear that she has been talking nonstop about Mr. Sheffield. And did he's you just notice like, we got a did you notice we got a lot of outside on the stoop scenes this episode? Like this was the new set they built and they're oh, like, yeah. we gotta use it. There was three scenes that took place 
either on the stoop or in this weird like vestibule that we don't ever go in but now we've seen for some reason yeah like, which like at i the do entrance. like because it does create a new energy you know yeah you, no i loved need- it i liked the street scenes a lot i was like oh yeah this is nice actually we're not just always in their living room or their kitchen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. um and you know this guy jack like very astutely is like you know what you're clearly hung up on this maxwell guy and you know i think you might only be dating me because you have something to prove and at first she's like pretends to be offended but then you know she is ultimately a good person and she like apologizes profusely and she's like you're right i'm just using you like i didn't mean to but i'm just like so confused right now and he takes it like super well like probably yeah. like unrealistically well and then this scene <laughs> actually ends horribly because then horribly. Like, this tennis Ridiculous. ball rolls up to them and his seeing eye dog is interested in it and so she throws the ball and the dog ends up chasing it, presumably maybe killing Jason Alexander. <laughs> he like pulls him into the street and you just hear like a car screech and a crash. And she goes like, ooh. Yeah. I'm like, so, so unnecessary. He said, so they like, established him as such a nice, chill dude. And then they <laughs> immediately like in, like injure him. <laughs> I know. Vehicular manslaughtered. <laughs> yeah. But so then we cut to a scene, you know, we're starting to get close to the end, though it's not quite at the end yet, but Fran is at Sylvia's place and they're talking everything out. Great and scene. Yeah, yeah, because you know what I liked about this scene? Um, some, we, we often get Sylvia as the person who's like the butt of the joke or saying the absurd thing, but sometimes it's really nice to ground her in like actually being a mom yes. and actually like, you know, there's some, you know, wisdom under there um which which was a nice balance but basically you know fran is like you know really upset that mr sheffield took it back and that he doesn't take her seriously and then sylvia's just like you know darling well there's a first there's a knock on the door and she flirts with the meat man to get cheaper meat which i thought was really funny and then that pays off at the end of this episode but but so she flirts with the meat man and then fran's like lamenting and then she kind of lets Fran run out of steam and explain everything that's happened. And then she says, um, she goes, darling, that is crap. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. And well, she, she's like the thing. She's like, he didn't take it back because he doesn't take you seriously. You know, he takes it back because he's a basket case. Like he's, he's emotionally screwed up as a person. And then Fran's like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, you know, he probably has guilt over his late wife, guilt over the kids and guilt over, you know, marrying someone outside his class. Like this has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him, which was like very wise. So it was 
I loved it. I loved this and the next scene, but this especially, it was very wise. It also really dug into, you know, it was cool to see the writers dig into Maxwell as a character, as like a person, you mm -hmm. know, with this analysis of him and this sort of analysis of all of the fears and guilt that he's carrying and sort of see the writers kind of justifying four seasons of, or three seasons of will they, won't they, but, you know, cause clearly they're going to move things forward this season. Mm -hmm. This this episode very firmly establishes that we're in new territory and it's very exciting. I got to say, you know, we talked a lot about does the show jump the shark when it gets to this point? And I know even the, you know, the creators were very unsure about doing this and were worried, but as a, as a viewer, it's very exciting to mm -hmm. see this and mm -hmm. to, and to get this insight into Maxwell's, um, you know, sort of mental state and, and the, the, the marrying out of his class thing wasn't even something that occurred to me until, until it was brought up. And so I thought that was really interesting too, that the writers threw that in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that all makes sense to me, you know, that it's yeah. just, it's not the type of person he would have ever expected himself to end up with. And for a lot of people, that is a very real hurdle to like who they kind of check off as an option. Sure. Yeah. Um, Chekhov's wife, as we all know. <laughs> we classically know Chekhov. Uh, Chekhov's wife. To, <laughs> to marry the woman he was in love with because she was not of his class. Yep. But, but so, of course, because it was Chekhov when she was introduced, we know it had to pay off and eventually they got married. <laughs> yeah. By the third act, they were. By the third uh, act, they were married. Um, but so, um, you know, this, this is a big aha moment for Fran and it really helps her kind of like move, really actually move Make past peace. what happened and yeah. be less hurt. So that evening we cut to Mr. Sheffield out on the like stoop of the mansion. It's like evening and Fran comes out and she's like, Oh, Which, hey, sorry. You know. I, I, sorry. But also further to solidify that her feelings for him are, are real feelings. Like, because when her mom explains all of this to her and she has that aha moment, she doesn't, she loves him enough that she sees that now that she sees this, she just wants him to like feel better and she doesn't want to pressure him into it. Mm -hmm. And that's like, I think a very clear sign that she has like actual feelings for him. You know, she's not just like, well, whatever, he should get over it and marry me, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's very Fran too. Fran is it always, is. She's, yeah. Yeah. Come from things I think ultimately with empathy. Um, also, can you, can you, hear did you get dogs? a dog? You know, I was going to say, can you hear this? fucking dog barking outside the window. Um, so that evening, um, Fran finds Mr. Sheffield sitting out on the stoop of the mansion. And she's like, hey, you know, you want to come in, watch a movie with us? And, um, you know, he clearly is kind of in a little bit of like a melancholy state. And so she sits down next to him and he's like, she's like, hey, you know, I just want to say like, I understand. Like, I understand that all of this happened like on the airplane because, you know, you're ultimately afraid of your feelings about all this. And he, this was, I thought it was such a great scene. Like he, so, and he, he admits like he gets very vulnerable that, you know, he, he was like, you know, I've only really been in love once before and my wife died. I'm really afraid of going through all that pain again. And he's like, you know, like, what if it didn't work out between us? You know, how would the kids feel? You know, that it could ruin everything that is like currently like working right now, you know, yeah. um, which is, I think a very, very valid point. Um, yeah, you know, is. they would be very painful if they tried it and it didn't work. And there are, yeah, well, and involved. he brings up the children, right. That's what I was just going to say. He also brings up the children angle of it all, which is, which is what I always in my head can. And that's what I always assumed his holdup was because, you know, 
she has become a very important part of their family. And if all of a sudden the things go, you know, really south between them, uh, then, then what happens? And then it's awkward, you know, for the kids, for them, for, does she get fired? So like, I, I totally understood that. That was what I always assumed it was. I, I didn't really dig that deep into, you know, the class stuff and all of that, but yeah, all this stuff makes sense. Yeah. And I think it put, it attaches some real stakes and groundedness to why this is taking so long. It's not just yeah. like, you know, two people who refuse to see what's right in front of them anymore. Like they, they no. know that there's an attraction. They know that there is a temptation, but mm -hmm. they're also trying to like use their common sense um, and be practical about it, which is, I mean, gosh, considering that they also live in the same house, this is going to get in fuego. Mm -hmm. because, and in fact, so he's like, so friend. Oh, and then the thing is she totally, you know, she admits it. She's like, yeah, you know, it definitely would be a possibility that like it could ruin things. And so he's like friends and she puts out her hand and she's like friends and they shake and then like they do a little hug and then, you know, a little kiss on the cheek and then they like kind of lean in. It's like a little kiss on the nose. And then it's like, they just go full in for a kiss again, because of course, they like a full on make out. They yeah. like have a full on like blah, 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 make out yeah. session. Like, and it's hot and heavy, baby. Yeah. Because I mean, these two people <laughs> yeah. are clearly so attracted to each other and they kind of slowly pull apart and kind of are just like, yeah, friends. And like, that's how it ends where, yeah. you know, we, we firmly now establish where we are with them emotionally at the beginning of season four. And I got to tell you, Toria, I hope every single episode ends with them making out now. I really liked it. I was like, oh, I love this. I love this new paradigm. I want, I want the sexual tension to build to insane heights every episode. Well, that's what we've really gotten us to because now we have established the attraction is real, but they are both trying to resist as opposed to they are just pretending it doesn't exist or not even fully aware of it themselves. Like they know it, they want it, but they're trying to be responsible adults. And that is where the best TV sexual tension always happens. That's or right. It also so strap in oh, well, I was season four. Also it also happens when two people think they hate each other, like Joey and Pacey. Or or Cece and Niles. Oh, you know what, though? As I was watching this episode, I was literally like, I think it would have felt so much more organic if Niles had been like a sassy gay guy. <laughs> I just like in my in my heart and mind, he always is. He always is. I hear you. Yeah, um, I hear you. Well, so listen, folks, uh, strap in. Season four has got 26 episodes. We're in for the long haul. I'm very excited. Uh, there's a, there's an episode coming up later this season titled The Heather Biblo Story, which is the one I think I'm the most excited for. <laughs> can we have I, like a can we, we have to like have a special, special record for the I, Heather Biblo story? I cannot wait for the Heather Biblo story. Can we, can um, we start hashtagging things Heather Biblo heads? Yes, yes, we can. We Justice can. We should. Maybe Biblo. that'll be the first one that we ever do together in the same room. Is a very special justice for Heather Biblo. Justice, justice for Heather Biblo. Yeah. yeah, maybe we'll really like her. She's unfairly maligned, I think. Um, um, so, all right, I guess it's time for the the world premiere of the all new Oh Mr. Sheffield podcast segments theme. <gasps> and now segments. So. Segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now, segments. 
segment. Uh, we're shining for you. Okay, okay. What did everyone think? You got to let us know. Party That'll- people, we are into it. New segments. We got new segments premiering this episode. Well, one new segment and a new theme. We are rocking and rolling. Toria, what are your favorite quotes? Uh, you already said one of them to stole my thunder, which was, <laughs> you know, you only got this job because of your looks and Fran going, no, I got this job because I lied on my resume. <laughs> um, I really, uh, liked when, um, Fran was telling Sylvia that, you know, like when you use your looks to get things, men won't respect you, ma. Mm-hmm. And Sylvia goes, when did you become Gloria Estevan? <laughs> Clearly meaning <laughs> Gloria Steinem. And, yeah. and then Fran follows it up with, that's Gloria Steinbrenner, ma. <laughs> um, and I also love Sylvia saying that she'll call Yetta to put a curse on Mr. Sheffield. And then, and then Fran revealing she already had done asked her to do that. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I said a lot of mine. I really did like um, Sylvia. We talked about it, but I, I just like the way Sylvia said, "Darling, that is crap." He took it back because he's a basket case. And then she also, as spoilers for. Uh, Yiddish, but she calls him emotionally fakakt, which I yes, I yes. loved. I loved that. Because it also um, sounded like it was this double entendre where it's fakakt is like a Yiddish thing, which means like shit, like he's emotionally shit. But it also sounds like emotionally fucked. fucked so it yeah. was like a, a really fun way to get some that something that uh, kind of dirty into or not dirty, but, you know, like not for TV onto TV. Yeah, and this, I mean, that was basically, as far as, like, one-liners go, you know, th- this episode wasn't as chock-full of them as the previous one, but this episode made up for that with, like, actual emotional resonance from all the characters. So yeah. I would say all of that stuff I thought was great. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I, I honestly even got, like, a little, I got moved when Mr. Sheffield yep. just got vulnerable about, like, being afraid of getting hurt again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Me too. And in terms of Yiddish, we already said fakakt. There was also yutz, which means someone mm-hmm. who is, you know, foolish or useless. Yep. And svelte. Oh, yeah. Svelte. And svelte. She also, she calls the meat, uh, Sylvia calls the meat man svelte. Yeah, which is like, you know, in good shape. Oh, we never talked about, the, so the payoff to that is she, she like takes her, like, kind of like lower, bears her shoulder and answers the door to flirt with the meat man. And then at the end of that scene, she goes, the doorbell rings and it's the cable guy. And Sylvia says, oh, it's the cable guy. And she like lowers, you know, bears her shoulder again. And Fran pushes up her, like her bra, like adjusts her bra and goes, uh, you know, I got, I got it, it, ma. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And she's like, you want free Cinemax? Yeah. And then, and then in the next scene, we find out that she's also gotten the Sheffields, some other cable channel. Cause she mentions like, I'm going to watch this on cable. And Mr. Sheffield's like, we don't get that channel. And she's like, we do now. Yeah. <laughs> Which, also the, the by the way, like, why don't they get every channel? He's like a millionaire. No, because I understand it. Like in our house growing up, like we could afford all the channels, but like we didn't get cable for a really long time because it was like, we don't want the kids watching TV, you know, especially in like kind of an erudite sort of theater family. I could see him being like, I just don't want. You oh, I see. My us. family didn't give a crap. They were like, turn the TV on, leave us alone. <laughs> hey, and look, we ended up in the exact same place. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Co-hosting a podcast together about TV. So Yeah, so uh, my family should have done it. Uh, I'll never forget it. When my dad finally got cable, he called my mom's house and he wanted to like see if the channels like in hit. He lived in like 
20 minutes away. And he wanted to know if the channel numbers were the same mm-hmm. as at my mom's house. So he, he told me to go to this particular channel. And then he said, are monkeys drinking juice in your, on your TV? And I went, yeah, it's a Tang commercial. <laughs> because there was these chimps drinking tang and that was like i remember that commercial vividly at that time um monkeys drinking juice (laughs) yeah dad it's tang what obviously old are little tiny humans chewing pink stuff yeah dad it's a bubble yum commercial with a bunch of kids what (laughs) but uh, for nanny trivia um this doesn't really relate to anything. It was just kind of interesting Perfect. in terms of the, you know, classic sort of wardrobe stuff that is always, you know, big on this show. So Fran's signature heel is a four and a half inch pump by Charles Jordan. Um, and Brenda Cooper, the costume designer, she found them on sale at JCPenney and she bought every single one up in Fran Drescher's size and then would just dye them to match her outfit on the show. Wow. And I will say, God, a four and a half inch heel is friggin' high. So, I mean, it is. I don't have any reference for that. That's I high. I mean, just 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 like make four inches with your hand, and then imagine a standing on that. Horrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bad for the back and the knees, people. Um, also, this is just sort of an interesting thing, uh, and I feel like we we won't solve it now, and we'll just end up babbling about it off uh, record. But I thought it was interesting that. Um, Sylvia and Fran, they're they're circling around like a conversation that is actually a much bigger one in terms of like feminist thinking, which is like, is it okay for women to use their like sexuality as leverage? Like, do you is that is it more because Sylvia was very much like, there's nothing wrong with like using your God with women using their God given gifts. Um, and Fran kind of first fights her on it. And then in the end ends up being like, no, you're right. (laughs) Well, it seems like the show is coming firmly down on the side of like, there is nothing wrong with that, you know, because Fran comes around to it. And I, and I, I happen to, maybe that's our, is that our question of the week? I feel like that's too contentious. That's too, that's too intense. Yeah. yeah. It should be Um, something like, um, like, uh, have you ever, have you ever been in love with someone and been afraid to confess your feelings? (laughs) Yeah, that's I, that, that's exactly. Let's do that. Like, if you ever okay. uh, been you in, go, a, in a Fran, Mister Chef, a situation. If you're feeling saucy and you want to weigh in on the whole feminism thing, feel free to. What we'll your opinions? I don't, I don't have that energy. I listen. <laughs> it's not that I don't like those conversations. I went to a women's college. I talked about it for four years, but I don't have the energy anymore. I'm old. <laughs> and now All right. I'm- so yeah, let us know. Have you ever had really strong feelings for someone, but then you had, you know. Uh, very justifiable conflicting feelings for why it, it you couldn't confess those feelings. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear it. Bear your it souls to us. Bear your souls to us. Tell us all your juicy dirt. Uh-huh. Can't wait. And we'll analyze it. We won't <laughs> analyze it on the air though, but we will read it in private and discuss it. And maybe we'll send you back advice. Yeah. And if you, but if you're, I would say if you're cool with us reading it on the air, let us know and maybe we will. So just, you know, put a little, you know, thing like cool to read, cool. But unless you, unless you say cool to read, we will not assume it is. So just, that's fair. Just important note. That's fair. That's yeah. Because some people um, will forget and then be nervous, but no, we will not, unless you specifically say, read this on air and expose me, uh, for the scum, uh, that I am. Then we will. Um, <laughs> uh, so, and then who's the friend? Well, no, because we're not doing the friend of the CC. We're kind of doing the like, who, who, oh, which character was I this episode? I we can still do the friend of the CC because the thing is, 
I actually still came down with, I went, I feel like the CC because I, I am very cagey about, you know, using sexuality to try to get things. I don't know if it, I don't know if it does is the healthy way to get what you want. And like most typical men, I've never experienced that. So I can only assume it's dope and I would <laughs> definitely do it if I thought I had any chance of it working. Like if I thought I could like hike up my shorts high enough to get like cheaper things in stores, I'd be walking around with a wedgie all day long. <laughs> and you, But that's, you know, but that's from someone who's like had the privilege of never having to experience like the horror of what that actually feels like and entails, oh. you know? So, yeah. And, I, and I there's many, many opinions, even, you know, among women, there's many varying opinions. Um, right. Sure. Sure. There sure are. Because hey, uh, we live in a world. Hey, we, we live in a society. In a world. <laughs> in a world. So, okay, but that was season four premiere. We're, we're, st- we're energized for the rest of the season. We're energized for the rest of the series. Yeah. And we're so glad you guys have made it this far with us. Yes. We uh, speak your names. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so thank you for, for sticking it out this long. Uh, we promise the same mediocrity bordering on unprofessionalism that you have come to expect for yep. many, many episodes. Yeah, nothing's going to be different. We are this. We literally recorded the last one and this one on the same day, folks. So well, we're I the mean, same we're, people we always were. No big that. season changes except for the theme song and the new segment, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, people don't change. You can make promises, but we're the same yeah. people. And, and hey, that's the... Oh, Mr. Sheffield podcast, we will make you promises that we don't intend to keep. <laughs> and that is a promise we intend to keep. <laughs> okay. Thanks Bye. for listening, guys. See you next time. Oh, wait. Uh, oh, Mr. Sh- uh, oh, oh, Mr. Chef Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Okay. Bye. Yeah, yeah. Bye. <laughs> the Flushing Girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Anyway, uh, uh, Miss Fine. <laughs> <laughs>